0: Boom. the celestial sphere that took place in historical times. In these wars, the planet Earth participated too. The historical cosmological story of this book is based in the evidence of historical texts of many people around the globe, on classical literature, on epics of the Northern races, on sacred books of the peoples of the Orient and Occident. On traditions and folklore of primitive peoples, on astronomical inscriptions and charts, on archaeological finds, and also on geological and paleontological material. From the preface of Worlds in Collision by Emanuel Velikovsky. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) An actual book referenced in the movie that we are covering today, which is called
1: Invasion of the Body Snatchers.
0: Nice. Yes. That's right. The 1978 remake by Philip Seymour Kaufman that uh, really changed the game. (laughs) Nice. Yes. I assume his middle name is Seymour. Man. A horror sci-fi classic. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, And a for a remake, uh a pretty fucking banger original of a movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the remakery is totally there, but it sure it sure went in its uh its own little directions um in a lot of strange ways. Kind of reminded me of The Empty Man. Yeah,
1: yeah. Had it yeah. Had a lot of great nods to the original, mm-hmm. um some pretty obvious ones, some, you know, just some scenes that were basically similar and then in other ways just was is completely its own animal. But uh Yeah.
0: Yeah, lots great of one. lots of great little uh, Easter eggs in there for the nerds. Like, hey, are you a nerd yeah. about the original? Here you go. Guess what he's gonna do with this dart? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it was. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's you know, I, as we do for the show, I've watched it several times, and uh, it's entertaining every time. <laughs> yeah. I know know yeah. exactly what's gonna happen, and I still love. Yeah,
0: it. Yeah, it's it's really great. Um, let's see. Uh, so so Philip Kaufman. Before this movie, he directed exactly nothing that I'd ever seen or heard of, and then followed it up with some movies I've only heard of because they're adaptations of uh, authors' works, like A Nice Neen and Milan Kundera books.
1: Oh, that's right. He did The Unbearable Lightness of Being, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, but not yeah. that one. The other
1: one. Wait, oh, really? He didn't do the good one with Daniel Day Lewis?
0: No, that's the one he did. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> I think of the one with Frodo in it.
1: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> He did that, yeah. He did the one with Lena Olin, who made like every dude and in, in on the planet fall in love with yeah. Lena Olin yeah, at the time. Were... The, the sexy hat lady part <laughs> scene.
0: Hat lady sex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sighs> I will say this though, he is way more interesting in his writer credits because he is credited with writing the Outlaw Josie Wales. He mm. is a co-writer of Raiders of the Lost Ark. With George Lucas and Lawrence oh, yeah. Kasdan from our... So, so Lawrence yeah. Florence mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> From our episode on the greatest film ever made. Yeah,
0: something, something, Stephen King. What's it called? Dreamcatcher.
1: Dreamcatcher, that's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dreamcatcher. <laughs> yeah, so he's a, he seems like a pretty cool dude. He, uh... Obviously liked this movie a lot, uh, the original. Uh, he he thought it was cool, he studied it, and then he thought to himself, but what if I said it in the world's greatest city of all time, the city I call home and the city that I love, what if Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but in San Francisco? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> If you're going to San Francisco. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we get a very post-topia San Francisco take on Invasion of the Body Snatchers.
1: Yeah, that was the it was kind of the the end of the cool San Francisco time period, like after this San Francisco turned into some sort of overly expensive nightmare city full of rich douchebags who work in tech. It just yeah. went from being a really cool, kind of quirky, unique city to being a, uh, the devil's dick.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, Zuckerberg's everywhere. <laughs> a great city, now move along. <laughs> yeah. A great city, I guess a bunch of us are moving to Austin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: A city so great, no one could afford to live there, so they moved to Berkeley. And then Berkeley became so expensive, everybody moved to Oakland. Now nobody can afford to live in Oakland.
0: (laughs) Yes. Also, the athletics still suck as a team.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just for those taking notes.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Expensive City won a World Series by computer cheapness.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's right. One World Series, one movie I'll never watch, and uh, a lot of basketball titles.
0: Yeah, yeah. Something, something, something Jonah Hill was there. <laughs> That's right. Fantastic. Uh, okay, so this movie stars Donald, a.k.a. Donnie South Sutherland, the sexual predator of the West Coast. <laughs> oh my
1: god, he's amazing. As, uh, he's great. As Matthew Bunnell.
0: Uh, let's see, uh, Matthew, or no, Donnie South is of course famous to this podcast as the star of Don't Look Now and every boomer's icky favorite film of all time, Ordinary People.
1: That's right. And he has a, he has a fine, fine role in National Lampoon's Animal House where he's serving tea or coffee to Nancy Allen and he lifts his arms up over his head and you see his gross
0: ass. <laughs> oh Yeah! <laughs>
1: Having said that, I fucking love Donald Sutherland.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, Donald Sutherland is great. I wish he was at good at making progeny as he was at acting. Oh god, yeah. Yeah,
1: his son is a kinda a bit scrotal.
0: A little bit, a little bit. That guy from like 24, and I assume other things.
1: I don't care how many hours you attribute to him, I'm still not watching that
0: show. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. What if a TV show took place in real time? Watch or Sutherland ride the entire bus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'll watch the fuck out of Lost Boys.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was, yeah. yeah. Kiefer was all right back then.
1: <laughs> he was all right. He, he played a good, disgusting 80s bad guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, he could do that. He could he could really drip back then. He could. Uh, we also have Brooke Adams as Elizabeth Driscoll. Uh, we just saw Brooke Adams as Rose in the 1977 film Shockwaves.
1: Can you imagine that movie was made a year before this one?
0: Yeah, yeah. She was really Insane. on an upward trajectory, like yeah. from
1: Shockwaves yeah. to this. And then to De- Dead Zone, or I think it was Days of Heaven, and then she made Dead Zone, or one or the other. I mean, those, those are two... I like Dead Zone, but Days of Heaven is one of my favorite movies, and she's fucking great.
0: Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. She's kind of the star of this movie until the movie forgets that she's the star of the movie, which really kind of pissed me off on, on rewatches. I'm like, okay, we're introduced to her first. She's the protagonist. She's the one that's driving the action forward. She's the one that is like getting people to wake up to what's going on. And then at a certain point, the movie is just like, ah, yes, but a white man is here now. Don't worry, miss. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He can flimsily yeah. chop a rope with just part of an axe.
1: And and one of the things that annoyed me the most about the first film was lovingly redone at the end of this one. Yeah. <laughs> We'll get there to that, but um, she also has a scene in this movie where she does something very strange, and I instantly fell in love with her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, which, what, that that one, oh, we'll, we'll come back because that one's like a red herring where it's like, ah, we're setting this one up for later. You know what to expect, and then, ha ha, fuck you, just kidding, ha <laughs> ha, you cocksucker, ah, oh, you thought she was gonna do the thing again. <laughs> ah yes all right so we also have in this movie amazing uh a young coked up and ready to fuck jeff goldblum as jack belichick he would go on to star in such amazing films as the fly jurassic park independence day and more recently boss baby 2 family business hell yeah <laughs> Uh, we get Veronica Cartwright in here as Nancy Belichick. Veronica is most famous for her role as Lambert in Ridley Scott's 1979 masterpiece, Alien. That would be the year following yes. this movie. Man. She also played wee Kathy Brenner in Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Oh, wow. That's yeah. What, whoa. Yeah, the little girl. She was wow. the main little girl in that movie. I
1: didn't even realize that. That's fantastic.
0: And uh, she she came back for uh, another remake of this. She came back for Oliver Hirschbergle's remake, The Invasion, the one that we're not gonna watch, probably. <laughs>
1: yeah, the uh, the James Bond, uh, wh- uh, what's it? Nicole Kidman one.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, James Nicole Kidman Bond. Yes, my name is James Bond. Nicole Kidman Bond. That's double O Nicole Kidman seven. <laughs> Rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> also get a big appearance from Leonard Nimoy. Oh, oh. my god. All oh, of yes. his teeth are in this movie.
1: Oh, it's so it's yeah, it's it's amazing. All the yeah.
0: teeth. <laughs> I, I guess at a certain point he was like, Well, I uh can never do any other haircut for the rest of my life. Otherwise people wouldn't know it was me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So
1: he's yeah, amazing hair, amazing teeth, amazing really weird leathery glove
0: thing yeah yeah i mentioned that too like i i guess he's just doing psychology between bouts of archery like what is it <laughs> i don't know i read that
1: his i forget why but a friend of his had a glove like that and he thought it would be cool if his character was you know just wore this weird glove for no reason <laughs> which because that somehow would like trigger like signal his otherness like some sort of hint that where his character was ending up or something. It's like you don't need a fucking hint. It's obvious. Yeah. Well, plus no no one else is wearing an archery glove.
0: <laughs> it's so weird. It does like at uh, the instant I saw it I was like, "Oh, that I don't know much about the era because I was pre-alive, but that does look very 1978 to me." Yeah.
1: Yeah, that uh, that th- this movie is a glorious depiction of the 1970s. Um, whew, boy, is it 1970s-ish.
0: Oh, man, all over the place. I was very excited with the mud baths because it was like the only thing I really remembered about the movie. And I was like, oh, there they are. There, there it is. There is the back of that guy's mud-covered scrotum. Fantastic, <laughs> great. He almost boinked him on the handrail on his way out of the tub. Fan. Fantastic. i would glad for that.
1: I would kill for that prop that says, welcome to the Belichick mud baths.
0: Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. So good. Nancy Belichick is a great character. She is. Jack Belichick, maybe not so much. <laughs> the, the neurotic
1: coked up poet.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. And and the only reason that we know he's a poet is because she was like, did you not get to read your poetry? And the rest of the time, we just know that he has a book. We would think maybe it would be, he'd be like a rival psychology book writer, but no, it's poetry.
1: No, he's a poet. Therefore, he must be portrayed as a moron.
0: Yeah, an absolute idiot. Uh, so, so yeah, so we're rocking out with our Spock out in this one. It's great. And then of course we get a, uh, surprisingly few lines of, of dialogue from Art Hindle. Um, that's right. Who we just saw in The Void and uh, we'd previously seen in Black Christmas. I think this might push him up into our top actors based on appearances in our episode. Yeah. Like, he, I can't think yeah. of anyone else that's been in three. Yeah,
1: I, I, there's got to be, but I can't think of any. I, I can't think of any. Of course, Brooke Adams in two, D South in two. Uh, yeah out of this just out of this one alone um yeah i don't know i mean that's that's i can't think of it that's a good one. i can't
0: think of it i mean doug bradley of course we covered more of his movies yeah. but it was all in one episode so i don't think that counts that, that, yeah that's true yep we'll put an asterisk on that one but yeah so if we need more art hendel in our lives just to keep him floating up at the top like a like a a good buoyant poo uh we can get him if we watch the brood oh, um, yes. oh. There's a movie called Offspring, which is the movie that Lucky McKee's The Woman was a sequel to, and he's oh. in there. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It looks real bad. Whoa. Um, and there's a new newer movie called Woodland Grey, which looks like it might be interesting. He's also in there, so we can, like, we can get more Art Hindle in our lives. Is that some sort of folk horror type thing or something? It looks like it, yeah, like a little like indie folk horror. Like it, it could be good, but it's probably trash type of thing. Yeah, nice, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, this movie also has a kind of a semi cameo with uh, by uh, Robert Duvall.
0: Yeah, the the swinging priest. The swinging
1: priest. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so great. He was paid. Uh, he was paid for his role apparently with a uh, with a jacket. Hmm. <laughs> whoa (laughs) it was some i forget the brand some designer brand that used to do interiors for ford i can't remember um yeah they make clothes mainly but uh yeah anyways they gave him a jacket that was his like here have this coat
0: wow (laughs) so i guess he wasn't famous at this point
1: he must have been i mean he godfather was already out at that point wasn't it
0: i don't know fuck that movie yeah fuck the godfather (laughs) There, get out of here! Woo-wee! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, of course, we've got, uh, Don Siegel is in here. He plays the taxi driver, the very ominously lit taxi driver. And the amazing Kevin McCarthy shows up at just the right moment and does something amazing. A
1: fantastic cameo.
0: Yeah. Possibly one of the best cameos I've seen in a movie, honestly. Like, I... Can't think of anything better.
1: We are huge fans of the random old dude who shows up in movies. And uh, th- this one's a little bit more targeted, but uh, it still fits as a random old dude who shows up and, as usual, steals the
0: show. Of, one of the best random old dudes that just for no reason is there and, man, nails it. <laughs>
1: Chef's guest!
0: <laughs> ten out of ten random old dude sighting. <laughs> oh my god. All right, John, anything else we need to go over before we start summarizing this movie? I can't think of anything else now. All right, so kick it off to you to start us off. I'm ready to do it.
1: Okay, that that didn't even need to say that. Um, so the movie opens on this shot of, like, this barren planet, and there's all this kind of, like, floaty, wormy, floaty business going on above the surface, um which I referred to as pod Huis. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> I think only you and I know what that means, but, uh, pod-huis. anyways, <laughs> so yeah, shards of Huis. <laughs> so there, it's just floating around this weird shit, this matter. And then it leaves the weird planet and takes off into space. It's, it looks really cool. It also looks fake as fuck, but it still yeah. looks really cool anyway. Yeah. And it's, and then we get the credit sequence, which, you know, this turns out to be the credit sequence. And the Works its way through the the cosmos. At one point, we see a, a shot that looks like it's underwater with the things floating around. I don't know what that was about. And then they just casually drift their way towards Earth. Um, okay, it's a really long opening credit se- sequence, and uh, which sets up the fact that this movie is uh, a full two hours long, but a yeah. um, little too long, I think. But it is. But anyways, we'll get there. The, uh, yeah, so the spores get the, they come to earth or whatever they are. They, you know, we do this goofy like zoom in shot, like, you know, through the clouds and we're at the Golden Gate Bridge and it's raining like crazy. And the spores have now turned into these weird gelatinous balls that are hanging off of plants. Um, Then we see them have like foaminess going on and weird tendrils coming out and little pod with like a flower that blooms that looks like meat. It's like a beef flower. And then this lady, this lady, uh, we see a lady come pick one. Of course, this is uh, this is Brooke Adams character, Elizabeth. So she picks one of the flowers and she takes it with her and she passes a teacher who's giving her the creepy eyeballs. This is the creepy eyeballs movie.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: And the teacher is like, come on, kids, let's pick these wonderful flowers and bring them home to your parents. So, I think it's pretty obvious what's going on right from the jump. Yeah. Uh, we get we get a shot of uh, Elizabeth walking up to her house, but it's one of those streets in in San Francisco that's like super angled. But they they've shot it where the camera look the street looks level. So as she's walking up the street towards the house, all the buildings are cocked at this bizarre <laughs> angle. It's a really great shot.
0: <laughs> what, uh, what's the uh... Oh, Full House! Yeah, it's one of those. Uh, yeah, like the, yeah. The, like the family of Full House would live in. Yep.
1: Yeah. So she's she walks up to her house. She goes in. Uh, she lives with this dude named Jeffrey, who's a complete douchebag. He's watching the, Jeez. watching the Golden State Warriors with his headphones on, and uh, he's all pushy with her and just kind of being a douche and kind of established that you know he's an, he's a meat hole. She's got this flower and she's talking, she sounds like she's a botanist, which turns out she's not but um, she, she puts the thing in water and blah blah blah, great so we, now we know that she lives with a douche uh, then, then we see Donald Sutherland walk into a fancy French style restaurant and go to the kitchen uh, turns out that he's a he works for the Department of Public Health he's a public servant as he loves to tell everybody in this fucking movie all the time he takes his tweezers into a fancy bowl, t- thing of soup, pulls a thing out and says, and what would this be? And the guy's like, that is a caper." <laughs> and he's like, I think it's a rat turd. And he's like, no, it is a caper." And he's like, well, if it's a caper, then why don't you eat it? <laughs> and, and he's meantime, so
0: excited about it. <laughs>
1: oh, he's so proud of himself. And then, like, you see some of the chefs kind of looking at him, giving him the, the spook eyeballs and stuff. And then he goes to leave, and they've smashed a bottle of what he describes as shitty wine or cheap wine on his windshield. Um, and then leer at him as he drives away. Okay, great. So he calls, he goes, gets home, calls Elizabeth, wants her to come into work early. Um, he just does. There's no explanation yeah. for why, but it's clear that he wants to bone her right away. You can tell that. Um, and he obviously can't stand her boyfriend, which is understandable because the guy's a douche. Uh, so <laughs> she's at home with her idiot uh, boyfriend or husband. Well, he's, I guess he's boyfriend. And uh, the creepy flower is on his side of the bed in water. And they're, you know, they're going to bed and there's this weird like close-up shot of the creepy flower glowing kind of bluish or something. I guess just in the light. And in the morning when they wake up, he is now acting like a robot. Like he's all emotionless and weird and she's a little bit upset by it she goes to work passes what i describe as banjo dog man who (laughs) is a guy who sits in a public square 24 hours a day playing banjo next to his boxer
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's great that this is a guy that we have to get uh like return reinforcement of oh yeah remember this guy yeah hey remember this guy here's another visual of this guy I don't know if it was because they had some
1: great effects idea for him later in the movie, or, or if it's because Jerry Garcia is the guy who's actually playing the banjo for that scene. I don't know what it is, but they Wait, really is that love. Really? Yes,
0: nice. It's,
1: not, it's he's not the actor, but that's him playing the the recorded banjo. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> so banjo dog man, she passes him. Great, no one cares. Um, and uh, let's see, where am I at? So. Everywhere she goes already, people are staring at her. And it's really creepy. Like, every time she passes people, they kind of stop what they're doing and stare at her. Uh, She runs into Matthew at work. It's clear that he's basically in love with her. Um, In the meantime, back home at her place, uh, weird Jeffrey weirds off into a station wagon while she snoops him out the window. Um, She's freaked out. Uh, She goes over to Matthew's place for dinner where he walks the fuck out of a of a meal, a Chinese meal, uh, with some ginger and some, pass that over there, that's called ginger, or whatever he says, like, like she's too dumb to know what ginger is. Um, he cooks her a meal, he's very proud of himself, and she's not hungry, and he forces her to eat a piece of celery.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, he cooks like what looks like about eight total ounces of stir fry for them to share for dinner. <laughs> I know. It's like
1: oh seventies of meals portions. <laughs> yeah. She's she's trying to sell this idea that something is, is seriously wrong with Jeffrey, and he his response is that he recommends that she go see his psychiatrist friend. Not be, not because she's crazy you know no no, but because you know he he might have become a republican or something um
0: yeah he might have become a republican or a homosexual he says (laughs) so great what the fuck
1: which which kaufman now claims was like the whole republican thing was like some sort of comment on how republicans are drone-like and all this and i'm like no no you're not getting away with that not in 1978 dude that's that's a load of bullshit um yeah yeah, so anyways, then then she's like, you know, I'm not crazy or whatever, and he says, if you're not crazy, then you should do that crazy eyes thing, because that will prove that you're not crazy, whatever the fuck that means. So she does the crazy eye thing, which is basically making her eyes go in circles real fucking fast, and, yeah. and I was like instantly in love with her the moment she did that. It was the cutest thing I'd <laughs> ever
0: seen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it looks like someone, like, shook her head and then stopped, and then her eyes were still conging.
1: And then she does that little laugh, and, uh, 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 and I'm like, oh, "Yeah, she's amazing. Then there's a great scene where, uh, next day, Matthew goes to a Chinese laundry, a San Francisco staple, and uh, tiptoes his way through some real uncomfortable cultural business, where uh Ooh. mr tang says uh asks him about his wife my wife she's
0: sick <laughs>
1: <laughs> And he goes what does he say my wife she's she wrong and he goes <laughs> so she's not right or something like that it's like okay dude this is the, yeah let's not do this <laughs> and then they see you see the wife just kind of leering in the background it's like okay whatever
0: Uh, I liked how up until that moment she was perfectly normal. She was like giving him a hard time about his dry cleaning. She was like, that's not coffee. Is
1: that the same lady? It's the same lady, yeah. Mrs. Tang, dear God. Um, We get some really cool camera work uh, where he's now meeting up with Elizabeth again. It's at night. They're downstairs at the Department of Public Health. Lights are out in the hallway. They're standing close to each other talking and then the camera does this weird pull over to the side so that you can just see this blank wall next to them. It it doesn't really have any purpose, but it's creepy and effective somehow. And then you see this custodian dude who's almost fully in silhouette using one of those floor buffer things, and it's super creepy looking. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you know they're being watched. I mean, it's just it's just so obvious that they're being watched. So, you know, she, she starts going off about how she thinks there's some sort of a conspiracy, and, you know, then... We see her watching as, that, or she had, she's, she's doing like a, basically like a flashback scene while she's talking to Matthew, where she describes how she sees Jeffrey at some weird site with meeting up with all these people and they hand off this weird thing that's wrapped in cloth and she's super paranoid. She, you know, she's, she's just, everything's weird. Um,
0: Yeah, she's putting it all together.
1: Yeah, she's putting it together. She's, she's awesome. And of course, he doesn't believe anything because he's a tool. And then um, they they go they go driving, driving through the, the streets of San Francisco, <laughs> and uh, his windshield is completely smashed, which is hilarious. But there, he he tells her some stupid story, and she's like, uh-huh. "Oh, I remember this one." And then he's like, "Oh, can I tell it anyway?" Very much like a dude. And yeah. so he's telling the story, and they're at a light, and they almost run over Kevin McCarthy who shows up slamming on the windshield he's screaming they're coming
0: they're coming you're next (laughs) they're already here they're already here and then you hear he's wearing this great gray suit like you could be like oh I bet that's the suit he was wearing in the original yeah
1: it's so great and then he takes off like to the right runs off gets chased by this mob of people and all you hear are these weird pig squeal sound effects it's it's really great, and then he gets hit by a car, uh, instantly killed. And mm-hmm. they drive by in shock. Weird. Okay, and so that's the end of Kevin McCarthy. And then, um, then we're at a San Francisco hipster party. I yeah. I don't know no what reason. what the hell's going on, but Jack shows up, which is Jeff Goldblum, and uh, talks to um, Matthew uh, in front of a circus mirror. <laughs> <laughs> They have one of those distorted circus mirrors.
0: Fuck you, 1978, that doesn't make sense. It makes no sense.
1: I thought they were in someone's house, but there was like like a mantelpiece in one scene that had multiple copies of some kind of book i guess it's supposed to be a book release or something
0: yeah so it's it's uh it's leonard nimoy's character's uh it's his book signing it's like the the uh. release party and it's some sort of crazy ass san francisco bookstore and i guess Do- donald sutherland's matthew Bennell is just such a cool health inspector that he knows the world's favorite pop psychology author Yeah, that, um, okay, that's fine. Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah. So there's this lady at the party and she's freaking the fuck out because she's convinced that her husband is not really her husband. Uh, We, of course, end up seeing her husband, who happens to be one of the dudes going on the escalator earlier when we're watching the flashback scene. So we know he's now turned, um, as if we didn't already. But uh, everybody at the party is leering. Elizabeth is convinced that, you know, obviously she's, this is all fitting into her idea that there's some sort of conspiracy. Everybody's clearly looking at her. It's not like she's making it up. Um, uh, so that's that's just really, really weird. And uh, yeah, so anyways, <laughs> then we get a bunch of like Nimoy pop psychology bullshit and it's really annoying. He, he tries to quote unquote help this lady or no, she tries to help the lady. Elizabeth tries to like, Hey, I know that something's wrong. I believe you. And then Spock Kidner Nimoy is like laying his trip on Elizabeth. And then they go outside and he's trying to like do his pop psychology brainwashing on her. And in the meantime, there's like these trash guys who show up all over the movie, always picking up this hairy, dusty slough like this. It's just this disgusting residue from the pod transfers. It's... uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, really weird. And then he manhandles Jeff Goldblum and, you know, then there's more pop psych bullshit. I don't know, it's weird.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he keeps saying stuff like about how the family unit is going to hell and every time he said it, I wanted to punch him. He's just the worst.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's a complete tool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, From this, uh, from here, uh, Jack ends up going home uh, to where he lives and works, I guess, which is... The Belichick mud baths. Uh, Nancy is there. She's operating the the entire business while he thinks about poetry or whatever. Uh, she's giving out belly rubs and and re- likes to recommend her favorite uh, books from the hooey section to her customers. Um, and then, in a moment of downtime, they end up coming across a fuzzy jack-shaped booger. Uh, this. <laughs> This just freaks them all the way out. They call Matthew. He comes to investigate because, you know, uh, I guess he's giving out some free health inspection recommendations. Sure. (laughs) Is that where they know him from? What is going... I don't know about their relationship. That part kind of pissed me off. Um, uh, He then immediately starts to worry about Elizabeth. He can't reach her on the phone. Uh, meanwhile, the Jack booger opens its eyes whenever Jack himself closes his eyes. He then gets an identical nosebleed to the one Jack has, and while they're talking about it, the mycorrhiza covering the booger body reaches out and tickles Jack's hand. <laughs> Uh, Matthew then leaves to save Elizabeth. She's asleep in her bed while a fuzzy Elizabooger is growing all tiddly in the, <laughs> the arboretum. Nipless. Yes, a niplessly tiddly in the arboretum <laughs> with the pod. Whoa. Uh, Matthew then abducts Elizabeth just, just like in the original, which I thought was a nice nod. Mm-hmm. Uh, he brings her to the Belichick mud baths. And then brings the cops to confront Jeffrey. And in the place where the Nippolis pod Elizabeth was, there is now a really good piece of pottery and a pile of shit. It made me laugh so
1: hard. It's great because it's kind of a nod to the other movie where they open the coal thing and, like, there's like this lump of stuff that kind of looks like a person. It's so stupid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a good nut. It's also I feel like a little bit out of place because it's so funny looking that it just like instantly breaks the tension. You're like, oh okay, that's that's a good one.
1: Yeah, it looks like a bunch of kids put a bunch of shit together to try to like make a make a robot or something. And They try to sell it like, oh well, it's clearly you're just seeing things. They're just yeah, you bots. just
0: saw a lady there. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, At this point, the cops are like, uh, wait, are you saying that you kidnapped Elizabeth? And he's like, well, uh," and then uh, Leonard Nimoy and Jeff Goldblum and Donald Sutherland then just turn into a trio of shouting at each other. (laughs) And, And it doesn't make any sense why that's happening. But while that's happening, Jeffrey's like, no, I don't want to press charges. Everything's fine. I don't care and so they're all free to go um the next morning kibner is using his uh his archery glove very (laughs) emphatically making sure that it's always in the center of the shot while trying to convince them through his psychological means that Nothing is wrong, and that everything is fine. Then we see him leave, and he gets in a car with Jer- uh, Jeffrey and the recurring husband from earlier. There's no dialogue except he just quickly says, "The sooner, the better." <laughs>
1: That's right. <laughs> the sooner, the better. And then we uh we get a a, a wonderful wonderful shot of Jack sniffing pod flower. And uh, more paranoid ranting from Nancy, and uh, then and then this starts this weird thing in this movie that that this midsection part of the movie that drives me insane. Matthew starts making a lot of phone calls, like <laughs> so many phone calls. It's, it's just like like, dude, get the fucking program. Like, <laughs> God, like what is? He he thinks that, that if, if someone can answer the phone, then they clearly can't be taken over by pods or whatever.
0: It makes no <laughs> sense. It's like the director had seen a really fun shopping montage in a movie, and it was like, ooh, I bet I could do that with phone calls.
1: God, that's right. It's like the phone montage. Matt meh, like, on hold. Like, it's just endless meaningless dead-end phone calls he just does not get the point like he doesn't get the clue that this whatever is going on is going on fucking everywhere
0: um, yeah it's he really like in doesn't the original oh go ahead. yeah
1: well i was just gonna say he never really catches on until it's too late let like, the whole fucking movie he thinks there's always going to be some way you know like some place like some fucking utopia where there's no pods or whatever it's so yeah. stupid
0: Yeah, and it's like in the original, you know, they they had the recurring thing of making, trying to get a line out or whatever, and then they realized it at the end. But in this one, they just stretch it all the way out, like some kind of ab exercise machine. (laughs) It just goes on and on. Um,
1: Elizabeth is back at the health department. She wants to test the meat flour to find out what it is. She's probably surrounded entirely by pod folk, so they don't really, they're just like, well... You've been late consistently, so maybe I should test it. Like, whatever. I, they, the chippy pod people are strange. Yeah. Um, Matthew makes a phone call, gets a hold of someone from the mayor's office, and then the mayor's assistant wants to meet him in some public square. So he passes, you know, hey, banjo dog guy, and then he goes and, like, goes to the public square and meets the guy for, like, one second, and then walks away because he needs to make more phone calls, apparently. Um, more calls more calls like just so many fucking phone calls and then he steps into the chinese laundry again for no reason and the guy is like my wife okay <laughs> she good uh, <laughs> and he's yeah. like uh he's like oh okay she he's potted out too which makes
0: no fucking sense why would he go there Uh, Well, I mean, he had to pick up his dry Uh, cleaning from earlier, you know?
1: That's right. He had a coffee stain that Mrs. Tang said wasn't. Um, So then Jack, Matthew, Elizabeth, uh, Nancy, Dr. Kidner, the whole gang is chilling over at Matthew's place. It's nighttime. Everybody's having a great time. Uh, Kidner is giving drugs to Elizabeth to help her sleep. Suddenly, this is a real theme with Dr. Kidner that no one picks up on. But everything is yeah. like, wow, you know, I um, I was just reading this book. It's a really good book. And Kidner's like, oh, I really suggest that you get some sleep. I mean, it's just like <laughs> everything is answered with, I really, I think it would be best if you get some. I think everyone here
0: should get some sleep. Yeah. So, the family unit is going to hell. People are jumping in and out of relationships all the time when what they really should be doing is getting more sleep.
1: So, And then they take his advice, basically. Everybody gets yeah. real fucking sleepy. And uh, uh, fucking Matthew goes up onto this weird patio that overlooks downtown and sits there and falls asleep right next to a gargantuan like dill pickle pod that he somehow didn't notice. And and then we get this amazing special effects bonanza of like the pod birthing out these disgusting floral petal things and then this weird tumorous pustule blob and and then it bursts out this weird, like, baby hair, shiny baby thing that turns into looking like, kind of like a Donald Sutherland and then there's suddenly there's like a bunch of pods because everyone's fucking sleeping now and then he, he hears someone calling his name Matthew, Matthew Matthew, get up! <laughs> it's like, it's <laughs> Nancy, who is the, Nancy, Veronica Cartwright is the queen of screaming in movies. She's amazing.
0: Um, Oh man, does she ever do it in here? Scream queen 100%. She's
1: great. She wakes him up, you know, she'd wake anybody up with that scream. Um, He freaks the fuck out, you know, everybody wakes up now. So then like these pod things are all (laughs) like making all these weird noises and stuff. Everybody freaks the fuck out. They come up with this plan. They're going to run out the back door go down the alley, even though the whole place is now under surveillance by pod folk. But apparently, anytime you go out a back door and run down an alley in San Francisco, you can get away. So, yeah. um, first, of course, he completely smashes um, he picks one to destroy, which of course is the one that looks like him, and he yeah. bashes its face in with a fucking garden hoe, and it is amazing. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> like, chops it in half. It's fantastic. It's yeah that that part was really really great. He as I say he yeah. commits podicide, and then oh,
0: yes. all the
1: pod folk around the house flip the fuck out. Uh, then we get this weird urban chase scene uh, with a huge drum solo playing <laughs> over. Yeah, it. it's like what the fuck is going on right now.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like, what if uh, John Carpenter did a chase scene, but he was bad at doing a chase scene, and instead of a synthesizer, he had found drums? <laughs> it's
1: really torturous. Uh, they, yeah. they somehow end up at a dock, uh, cornered in some little area next to a gigantic anchor, and um, Jack decides he's going to suddenly be heroic and sacrifice himself, and then Nancy goes off after him, And all the fucking pod people chase them away. And now Matthew and Elizabeth are by themselves. Um, So they they pretend like they're pod people. They're walking through town. They pass sex clubs, which is... You assume it's just full of pod people who are just pretending for, what, their own benefit? Because at this point, damn near everyone is a pod person, it would seem. This is it. There's no reason to be like, Come
0: on in and check out these pod titties. Like it doesn't. (laughs) They ain't got no nipples. They'll make you feel like a new man.
1: Oh my God. They get into a cab and this is weird. This is a weird coincidence, but they get into a cab that just
0: happens to be
1: driven by Don Siegel, the director of the first movie.
0: That's true. He's fallen on hard times. <laughs> what are the odds? Uh,
1: <laughs> they, they drive up to a roadblock and somehow magically get out of the car and nobody notices until the camera looks back and the doors open. They're gone. Um, yeah. And then um, they they bolt off into the dark again. Uh, no, San Francisco's a very dark city in the 70s, apparently. Um, yeah. They, they come across Banjo Dog Guy and the two of them are crashed there's a pod right next to them. Matthew's solution—he's like, "Wake up, wake up!" And it doesn't work. So he he just kind of kicks the pod, and then they <laughs> run away. And the pod yeah. pukes up this hui's, and that's that's a setup for what's coming later. But then they just yeah. they, they run off. They keep running. Um, it's it's ridiculous. They uh, they get back. They go back to his fucking office, which makes no sense. Because everyone's looking for them. A cop comes in, searches the office, doesn't find them. They have a really bad, just really awkward kiss. Um, it's two o'clock in the morning. They're watching out the window as there's this big pod scene. You know, like, Sausalito, uh, Monterey, line up on the right. Hey, get your pods here. And uh, just like the original, great. Uh, mm-hmm. Now And now we now we get into the part of the, like, much like the original. It's a lot like the original kind of from here on out in big chunks. Uh, except it goes on forever. But she's now she's gotten to that point where she's just so tired. It's always, Elizabeth is now like a fucking dead weight. I guess that's she's symbolized by the anchor they passed earlier or something. I don't know. She's like, I want to go to sleep. I, I just don't want to do this anymore. It's really fucking <laughs> annoying. Um, so they, they take speed, which is great. How much does he take? Uh, He usually takes one. Take five. So they take five (laughs) speed pills. And then Jack, Kidner, and the whole gang, Jeffrey and a bunch of other guys show up. You know, what do you know? They knew exactly where they would be hiding. What a shock. Uh, Kidner injects them with, it's just a mild sedative, and then he gives them the whole, you see, because we, we have gone from great distances on solar winds and we landed on this planet, and uh, there's no need for hate or love or whatever the fuck. And then, and then uh, uh, Elizabeth says,
0: "I love you, David."
1: And she has this huge cold sore in the corner of her mouth, and it's really great. And then he just kind of looks at her, and then looks back at Kidner, and just keeps talking. It's like, yeah, like dude, what the <laughs> fuck? That was her big moment.
0: Yeah. she was like I love you David and he's like you'll never get away with this kidner <laughs> have you heard of a Abriva <laughs> and so <laughs> I just wanted a little pussy
1: <laughs> oh my god so then they, they pretend like they're going along with it and then they, of course they attack and uh Matthew jabs Jack in the neck with a handful of darts nice yeah. nice little reference there beautiful um they push them into the freezer there's a big walk-in freezer and uh Yeah, it's, uh, that whole section is hilarious. I don't know. I love this movie, by the way.
0: It's, it's really good. It's very enjoyable. Except, I will say, the chase scenes really suck. They drag it down. Yeah, it gets a little, it
1: slows down a little bit in the final third, I would say.
0: Yeah. Um, at this point, Matthew and Elizabeth make a break for it. And, uh, while they're making a break for it, they run into Nancy. And there's, like, this awkward moment of, like, uh uh and then they realize that she's also still on the run then she's figured out like in the walking dead that if you just pretend to be a mindless drone they'll leave you alone so then they do that together um and they they go out they're trying to blend in uh but (laughs) but then this is fucking amazing um so in the original it was a dog that ran out into the street and almost got hit by a car um in this one they see a dog the dog is running up towards them but it's it's the boxer from banjo guy and dog earlier but boxer now has banjo guy's face and um and it like runs up to him and it's like making a barking noise and its mouth is opening like a human and you know like like was a little bit reasonable she freaks out and screams and uh and so then the entire shrieking horde comes chasing after them except nancy being smart and like high survival mode like final girl style slinks back into the shadows and just pretends that she's not with them and makes it out of the situation Oh, but not um, not before not
1: before Matthew slaps an old lady. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. He really
0: does. This old lady does the shrieky face, and he just gives her what for? He
1: fucking waylays that old lady. It's amazing. Damn, <laughs>
0: you're right. Uh, so so now Matthew and Elizabeth are on the run. Um, they find a little i don't know garden or something near the ships uh and uh somewhere bagpipes begin to play amazing grace all triumphant style and he sees the ships he's like hey maybe we could get away on one of these enormous titanic freighters and uh, so he leaves her in a small copse of bushes and goes to look out and like just as as the crescendo of the music is happening and the drums join in with the bagpipes, that's when he realizes that they are loading pods up onto all these ships, and then someone changes the radio station and the bagpipes cut out. And it's like, oh yeah, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Um So it's a little cheesy, but it's good. It's a good callback, too. Um he returns to Elizabeth, who is now unresponsive, and as he is clutching her to his chest, she withers and crumbles into dust. Then the moment that her body is fully to dust and in the ground, just out of nowhere... A big old nudie elizapod rises from the ground, reaches out, and tries to convince Matthew to go to sleep. He runs, and in his running, he uh, takes a side quest to go sabotage the pod hydroponics warehouse. And so to do that, you have to take a fireman's axe and just hold it by the neck, like just under the head, and just kind of... "Eh!" (laughs) <laughs> ew, ew, try to try to chop the little ropes. Ew, oh, I hope I don't hurt myself doing this. And he manages to burn the entire place down by chopping the light fixtures down onto the highly flammable everything below.
1: It's it's an incredibly effective plan that should have never worked. <laughs>
0: yeah. I do appreciate that he's like doing a big damn hero type of thing, but not doing it in big damn hero style. He's just like a normal guy that's like, well, I've got to try to do something, and I suck at everything, so I'm going to do this. Uh, so as everything begins to burn, Eliza Pod shows up, points up at him, and uh, screeches as the flames continue to engulf all of these pods. He runs and he hides, and it's very similar to before where he ends up like underneath with people like walking on boards above him and stuff like that. Fade to black. The next day or so, maybe next week, it's not really specified. Uh, We we follow Matthew along as he pretends to go about his day-to-day business. He's surrounded by pod people also pretending to do their day-to-day business, including we see Elizabeth. She's in her her science facility where everyone is just standing around and every once in a while they adjust a, dob, a knob or a dial just going through the motions of having a job instead of actually like doing your work you know i mean you know i I think nowadays it would be called quiet quitting um, <laughs> that's right uh and uh then we see him he's walking i love this shot by the way He's walking among the the trimmed English sycamore trees that are outside the San Francisco City Hall. And they look like, the, in this setting, like in this context, they look like horrific alien nonsense plants. And he's just walking along and then just from the side we hear, Matthew, Matthew. And he looks over, and there's Nancy, and she's been trying to, she's been hanging out and pretending to be a pod person too. And she reaches up to him, and she's she's so happy that he's still himself. And so she goes to to talk to him and figure out what to do next. And at this point, we see Pod Thew raise his hand, point at her, do a bulgy eyeball thing, do a weird. Oh, face with a tongue shape, and Podthew points at her and goes, Oh! Because he has been <laughs> taken over and she is now fucked because of Podthew. Movie
1: Z- over. Yeah. Zoom in to his mouth, movie
0: over. <laughs> yeah, really, really like, you know how, you know how, like, a parrot does that thing with their tongue? It looks like <laughs> that
1: way too close way too much (laughs) of donnie south's tongue action just he just screams us into a balloon great movie pretty the great movie pretty fucking dark yeah i mean there's pretty much no hope for civilization it's over
0: yeah they took it in a completely different direction like we get the idea that like we don't know that it's localized to san francisco so it's very possible like I mean, these space sperm were smart enough that they just bypassed the other planets. We watched them do it. They're like, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. We're going there. That's the one for us. So, yeah, everyone's fucked. And I guess then the plan for all of society is to just keep going about its, its business, but now as pod people instead of the originals, which, damn,
1: fuck. Yeah, that's pretty. that's pretty messed up, like, but but i i read somewhere where they were saying that like i don't know if it was someone's take or if they had talked to kaufman but the the idea that they were presenting was that that the reason why they left this other place was because they basically rendered it barren oh. they like just they just drew all the life out of it until there was just nothing left but this dusty rock and then they move on to the next place so I, I was like, I don't know that that's... I mean, I guess that makes sense, because what would they be doing on a barren planet to begin with? That yeah. seemed like they launched themselves from there, but, you know, they should have shown... If that was the case, they should have shown some sign that, you know, there was some sort of life there besides just weird, weird wiggly spores. Yeah.
0: Um, I kind of get the feeling that it was... Uh, Philip Kaufman had recently like been like, oh man, Stanley Kubrick is so cool, and then decided to make a, this movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: i mean the impression i got was that they that's where they came from was this place and that they you know that they were doing this all over the fucking cosmos it just or solar system or whatever and they just happened we just happened to watch them come to earth um you know they picked planets where there was life i guess this is the only one <laughs> and that we've been able to find so there probably aren't any too close but uh or at least not the kind of life that we would recognize yeah. uh Except spores, apparently.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. You know what? I would. You're, you're right. I would like to see a Star Wars adaptation of Invasion of the Body Snatchers where it's like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but they're all Gungans. <laughs> nice. The,
1: the great, one of the great things about this movie is that it, it just buries a sequel. Like, there's no... I mean, of course, you know, Hollywood can make a sequel out of anything, but it would just be so bad. Like, where would you even go with it that there was, like, you know, it would have to be like 10 Cloverfield Lane or something where they're hidden in a Quonset hut underground or something being besieged by pod spores. You know, because basically the whole planet's taken over and that's there's no hope. Um, yeah. And, and then if you set it off way into the future or whatever, then it's just it's just like pure science fiction. So it, it, it kind of just like. That's why they just keep remaking it instead, because they can't really make a sequel out of it, which is kind of the awesome. sequel
0: could be like the last real humans left are like the uh, the Scientologists that are on the like fleet of Scientology treasure hunting ships,
1: or they discover yeah I guess there's always the they discover some sort of weakness, some fatal flaw in the spores like cold or whatever yeah
0: they're allergic to water <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, are you fucking shitting me you've gotta be kidding how did you do
1: this <laughs> i wondered why every time it rained
0: there was no one around <laughs> this movie like super rewards rewatching too because you like after you watch it the first time you catch way more of like the icky background nonsense happening i love that i'll i'll restate it it's stupid that that donald sutherland is the star of this movie and not brooke adams because like it's totally starring brooke adams but then it just the movie forgot that at some point i guess it makes sense because then you know it's transitioning and and that's kind of like a central theme of the movie is people moving into other people and stuff like that and then at the end it's it's um fucking nancy is the is the only one left but it doesn't really put that theme up to the point that it qualifies as as a theme it's just a thing that happens once and uh yeah it's it's i wish i wish some of the progress that would have been made for this movie was on the sexism front
1: yeah considering that it was made in the 70s in san francisco the most liberal city in the entire country uh you Know, save for Berkeley, uh, is you know, you would think that, yeah, that they would play up on that, but they don't. Uh, they, they go right back to the meat and potatoes misogyny of the first film. Um, except it feels even worse now because you know, they there was a way out at this point, you know, people were starting to change, at least some were, you know, it wasn't. You know, back in the 50s, it was, you know, it's like, "Ah, women are dumb, right? Of course they are. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, in the 70s, it's like, hey, hey, come on, we're in San Francisco, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, we, yeah, this movie didn't need to lean on, oh, thank God, the men are here now. Like, it it just didn't need that, but it sure did lean into it. Sure did.
1: I, I thought it was cool the way they subverted the ending of the first film by, you know, by hitting a lot of the same notes as the end of the first film, where she, you know, I didn't like the, this whole "I'm sleepy," but whatever. So she turns, you know, and then he's left. Of course, in the first film, he get he gets away, I guess. Um, in this film, you know, you you you. I guess if you haven't, you know, it, it's pretty obvious that he's probably turned, but they leave it ambivalent enough. They, you know, he goes back to his workplace, and the way he acts, it could be that he's, you, you know, just kind of trying to see. You, just, you, you could go either way with it, I guess. So right up until he runs into Nancy, you know. And and then, of course, that ending is was notorious at the time. I mean, people were losing their fucking minds because it's creepy as hell. It's a yeah. it's a pretty shocking ending, really. Uh, it's hard to think of it as shocking now because I've seen it so many times. It doesn't even give me the creeps anymore. But the first time I saw the movie, and I knew what happened at the end because that shot was already famous. And I'd seen it a million times on, like, you know, shows about movies and stuff it still freaked me the fuck out when the first time i saw it um yeah uh you know it's it's a great movie i really really enjoyed it and i i don't know that it's even necessarily a better it adds better than the first movie but um but the first movie is the first movie and like really laid the groundwork uh maybe if i was around in the 50s i would i would feel different but the 50s just look like something someone created in a lab to me so i can't yeah. It's like, what, they didn't have color in the 50s? So I didn't, like, it just... <laughs> why did everybody talk so fast? I don't know. Yeah. Like, why did where they- did that form of English go? Where did... It just vanished. Like... Yeah. Okay, <laughs> fella. Like, okay, okay. Which, which pulls me around to, um, I guess, instead of doing a sequel, you do what John Carpenter does and fucking make they live. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> which is like... Fucking great movie.
0: Oh man, so good. Oh, I love that movie so much. Have we done any Carpenter? We we did um cigarette burns, which Oh yeah, yeah. that was a
1: bucket of shit.
0: <laughs> Norman, <laughs> baby infant pod person Norman Reedus just trying to find oh. la fin absolute monde. Oh god, I forgot about that. <laughs> Oh, that sucked. Yeah, it sucked a lot. Um, So in this movie, there's a lot of hooey and pseudoscience. Yes, there is. I cannot tell if Philip Kaufman is making fun of it or if he thinks it's cool. I would think he was
1: making fun of it, or maybe not even making fun of it, but just kind of pointing out the absurdity of it, maybe. Or, Or pointing out the prevalence of it, because especially in... You know, Hollywood and the entertainment business, which was always susceptible to that kind of silly shit. You know, they were into like the whole food thing and the vegan restaurants and all that stuff in the 70s. You could find that stuff all over LA. And then the rest of the country was like, what kind of meat do you want? <laughs> you know, <it> like... <laughs> so, I mean, maybe he was just making fun of that whole guru thing in the, you know, because pop psych in the 70s was, especially the late 70s, it was just rampant. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it was, but yeah, it's hard to say because he really, I mean, they nailed the mumbo-jumbo. I mean, he's completely, he's got it down. Yeah,
0: yeah, and they, they never make it seem like taking a bath in mud is a thing that stupid people do. It just seems like a very reasonable business is taking place there.
1: <laughs> Here, I have a box full of shit. Would you like to lay in it? <laughs> yeah. They even had another sign for some other service they offered. I forget what it was. It was something like, try our special pressure spray or whatever, like... Oh,
0: yeah, it was like Aqua Surge or something like that.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Those places were probably on every corner in San Francisco back then.
0: Oh, terrible. Oh, and that scene, that scene of her giving that guy a stomach massage is (laughs) just so, so intense. Get your chi adjusted. And then she, she just spent some time slapping the bottoms of his feet. Like, what's happening? This is the most disgusting place I've ever seen. (laughs) And she's like mad at him because every time he gets into the mud bath, he can't get out. She's like, Oh, you do this every time. (laughs) Oh, there's that guy reading a book in the mud bath, and he's getting Uh, mud all over uh, the pages, and it uh, made me so mad. (laughs) Oh,
1: that hurts. As a book person, that was extremely difficult. Uh, I
0: have I have conversations with my coworker about bath books and how gross it is that bath books are a thing, but man, like mud bath books, whole nother level.
1: Yeah, that's that's like yeah,
0: that's nah, no that's gross. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> yeah. But but then there so there's this uh there's this book, uh the one that I read from, Worlds in Collision, which is about how like I think it's something like Jupiter got launched out of Saturn and swung by the Earth or something like that, and that's why some things happened on Earth in the 15th century BC. So it it mm-hmm. sounds like it, it it is not dissimilar from the plot of this movie where something from another planet is getting launched at the Earth, which makes me think, like, does this guy, like, does this director, like, does he read like Zachariah Sitchin books? Is like that his his thing? Does he love that shit? Or is he I I just can't tell. It's kind of like with um with uh, that fucking one that we watched with the family um black and white family movie in the house <laughs> Spider Baby? It. Spider Baby how like Spider Baby was a spoof of gothic horror movies, but it was yeah. so old to me that I couldn't tell that it was a spoof. Uh, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, it's weird. I don't remember that
1: book in the movie.
0: Where, where, when, when was it? So that? it's in the mud baths. It's uh the creepy lingering guy is talking about the book with her, and she's like, "Oh yeah, that's a good one. Have you read this one?" And he calls it like must read. It's a must read, and and then they think he's the one that left the uh Jeff Goldbooger in there. <laughs>
1: Jeff Goldbooger. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a lot of great moments in it. The the. The last time I watched it, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. The time before that, I enjoyed it, but I felt like it, it kind of dragged at the end. Um, and I guess, I don't know, it's, it was weird. Like, different times I watched it, there were parts of the movie that I liked more than others. Um, but Damn. overall, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fucking blast. It's definitely a classic and well-deserved. Uh, it, it carries over pretty well. Better, I think, it, it's aged better than the original. The original just has a little bit of that Twilight Zone episode feel to it that we talked about. Um, But having said that, Kevin McCarthy is great in the original. He's really entertaining. And, uh, you know, it's a good movie, it's just but uh, this movie's a better movie, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to apologize. (laughs) It
1: just is. I mean, it's, you know, I really like this movie a lot. I mean, I, you know, it's kind of up there for me with like Don't Look Back, but or is it? Don't look now. I always forget. I, there's Jesus. the fucking Dave. Jesus, it's, oh, it's Bob Dylan, and and then that fucking movie. Don't look now. Don't look now, Christ yeah. Almighty.
0: Yeah.
1: Look yeah. who's Look who's looking back now. I love Don't Look Now, and but I, you know, I have to say it. It it's not aging as I remember. Although I still love it. It's it's a lot funnier than I used to think it was. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> yeah yeah Yeah, i mean this movie it is it is really good it's got uh there are moments of really really exquisite camera work like like there are times in there where it's just like wow that looks incredible then there are other times that it looks like a shit made for tv movie it's it's really hit or miss at points but but whenever it's firing on all cylinders it is spectacular yeah yeah for sure i wanted to bring up jeff goldblum's performance do you feel okay. like he was trying to do Alan Alda? Like, is his character just like a Alan Alda on cocaine? I I, I mean, it,
1: yes, but I don't know that he was trying to do that. Now that you say it, it seems like he was. But yeah, I, like yeah, that's like that's pretty awesome. I don't not even thought of that.
0: <laughs> I can I could just see Alan Alda delivering all of those lines without having to try as hard as Jeff Goldblum did,
1: <laughs> which brings up some interesting points what if alan alda was in the fly <laughs> oh
0: it would be so much less sexy though <laughs> and what if jeff
1: goldblum was in mash <laughs> oh, yeah. it's like, oh, jeff
0: goldblum just nervously doing this with his fingers near his mouth going why do all of these young men have to die it's <laughs> amazing <laughs> oh, yeah. Fantastic. So All right. Um, John, how would you rate this movie on a scale of zero to five loathsome things? Um, I- I'm going to give this
1: movie. God, I wish I remember what I gave the last one. Uh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give this movie, uh, based entirely on nothing in particular, a four point. I'm going to just give it a solid 4.5. I 4. think that's five. I think that's lower than I rated the last movie. And I like this movie more and I don't give a shit. I'm still going nice. to just, just, that's what it feels like to me today. So it's a four, four point five, um, four point five. Nice. I, as far as like personal enjoyment, it's a five. As far as me thinking of it as a classic, it's a five. The effects are a five. Um, the creepy factor is probably 4.5. Um, the misogyny should have been changed. I don't know why that was in there. It's too long. Um, it, it's got a, it's got some issues. It's not a perfect film, but it's great film, and it's it's definitely a classic. And uh, gave it a four point five. How about yourself? Very nice.
0: So I I actually I gave it a three point nine, which mm-hmm. is a little bit lower than I gave the original. I gave the original a four point one, and I. I actually, I, this is a, not, I'm not calling it a hot take because I don't feel confident in it. It's just like a, a hot diarrhea take. Um, okay, yeah. a runny take. Yes, yes. It's a, uh, I actually like the first movie better. I feel like the first movie holds up better. That said, that is scaling, that is like scaling for for horror movie inflation, basically, like, I feel like the advances that that movie made were were greater than this one. This one was, like, really good remake. Probably one of the greatest remakes of all time, I would say. But, like, there were places where they're like, all right, I want to take it further, and, and they did a great job. The effects in this movie are spectacular. Like, that yeah. scene with him in the arboretum and the, the, like, shaking things that are coming at him fantastic I-, I loved it and and i loved this movie but i feel like it should have gone farther than it did in places yeah. that it-, it failed to and yeah you're right feel Like you're right. The-, the progress that it made what wasn't as impressive as the progress that the original film made so like it's just it's just a little That's notch true. there and it's It's hard to compare those movies in that way, but it was just... I just didn't enjoy this movie as much as I wanted to, and a lot of the enjoyment that I got out of it, like, a huge amount of the enjoyment that I got out of this movie was just from the actors, who I feel like this movie doesn't deserve credit for the decades of of my uh, outlook on these actors that came after it. But it is still great they, they they did a lot of great work uh, a lot of it was excellently directed i just i feel like the original deserves a little bit more credit for progressing the the type of story and even progressing the like special effects like obviously the special effects in this one are phenomenal and just literally decades beyond the first one but the first one did some amazing things and i feel like even like i i like the scene a lot but that that man face dog it kind of looked like shit
1: it's literally a rubber mask laid over the dog's (laughs) face that's what it was
0: yeah and they had to speed it up so that it wouldn't just look as much like a rubber mask that a dog is wearing (laughs) it just looks stupid as shit i love when he sticks his
1: tongue through the mouth hole that they've cut in the mask (laughs) It's like wow, okay.
0: <laughs>
1: it was like, "Oh, who's a good boy?" <laughs> and like like so many movies, I mean, it, it had those dumb continuity or, you know, just logic errors in them that are just so glaring. I you just I don't know if that's an editing issue or I mean, it's it's, it's not an editing issue because it's it's shot. It was shot, you know. Like but there's just things that happen in in a lot of movies where you are it's like, you know, he falls asleep and suddenly he's surrounded by a garden full of pods like I mean like logically where the hell
0: did they come from so I think I think in this movie they just grow hyper fast because you think about it with Jeffrey Jeffrey fell asleep with a little flower in a in a glass on his nightstand and the next morning the glass had fallen over and he had been replaced that's true um we even, like, we see him sweeping up dust, I guess. Oh, fuck, I just put that together. The the weird fibrous stuff is their leftover dead body husk? Yeah. Is that what
1: that is? Yeah, I think it is. And whatever remains of the pod itself probably desiccated. Yeah, and...
0: it just looks like like dirty steel wool. Yeah, it's pretty gross.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I guess. And, but then there's other things like, you know, like, like Elizabeth didn't need a pod. She just turned, like if you fall asleep you just turn into one basically but i guess yeah and then why did banjo Dogman just because donald <laughs> sutherland kicked his pod that somehow created some weird morphing thing that i don't know there there's there's a lot of weirdness in it
0: yeah or was it just that because the two of them were sleeping together and they were so bonded that the pod thought they were the same thing and if that's the case, way more opportunities for awesome gross creepiness. Like, let's get a Cronenberg version of this going on. Oh,
1: man, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, they, yeah. they, yeah. So, yeah, so this movie sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, fuck this movie. <laughs> so that is a, what? That's a 8.4, yeah. I think. Yeah, 8.4 out of 10 loathsome things. I, I realize
1: as time goes on and we've covered, what, 53 fucking movies, if you don't count all the Hellraisers and stuff, that <laughs> that you know, like, my way of rating a movie is start at five and chip away and, you know, I think I'm looking at <laughs> the wrong direction. <laughs> like, <laughs> all movies should start at zero and earn all the points they get, because I'm rating these movies too high, you know? It's like, Oh, yeah, this movie five. This movie's fucking great. I, I know what you did last summer. Twenty! I gave it a twenty. I don't, <laughs> I don't... Like, you know, it's just... I'm Like, after a while, not that they mean anything anyway, but my ratings are just... They mean nothing at all.
0: Honestly, mine too. Like, I, but I'm coming at it from the opposite way. Like, you're the nice professor and I'm the shit professor. You're the professor that's like, everyone starts day one with an A and then they have to de-earn an A. And I'm like... You all have zero points. Over the course of this semester, you will earn points. Based on the number of points that you earn will determine your grade. That's how it works. But we're still like coming to like almost the same zone on everything. But yeah, no, our, our ratings are complete garbage. And there's a little part of me that wants to <laughs> abandon them entirely.
1: <laughs> I get like sometimes when I go on IMDb and I'm reading... Well, every time we, we research a movie, I go on IMDb and there's that point where... It asks me to rate it because, you know, it wants me to log, get an account and log in. So, I mean, after I'm done throwing the finger at that screen, I always, I always think, what an amazing idea. You can pick from 10 stars. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, that's right. Our rating system is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just fun because it's kind of fun to see where it gauge where we are. With you know, like, because you know that that at different times, since it's since it's completely, you know, subjective, that, that that you could, you know, see the same movie another day and just be like, you know, this movie really pissed me off today. Like, I'm, I'm giving it a two. Fuck this yeah, movie. Yeah, you know what? I hate Saint Maud. Fuck all of that. <laughs> I mean, of all the movies we've watched, the only one that I didn't like was the one the name I can never remember. Um, the the scientists intersect. intersect that that movie sucks yes. so bad it
0: was it was very bad it was
1: really really fun to talk about but it was terrible and yeah and we've watched some doozies but all of them were pretty good like at least as far as like entertaining they had something going for them but that movie sucked ass it was terrible yeah
0: um, yeah the only thing that was enjoyable about that movie was knowing that i was going to get to talk about it with you and like trash it and like reference things and you know of course also that one scene where little boy nate clocks the bully in the head with a with a, <laughs> a
1: board yeah that was a great scene
0: some of the effect, yeah and surprisingly
1: some of the effects actually weren't that bad i was kind of shocked about that um yeah i mean they weren't but. you know great or whatever but they weren't They weren't as bad as the rest of the movie, I put it that way.
0: Yeah, total pile of dog shit.
1: Yeah, that movie was really bad. I, I, I don't think I like. I could try and chase that movie and try to recommend one that was as bad. I
0: don't think I could find it. That that may be Uh, one of the worst. I don't know. Have you seen Things? Ooh, no! It's really bad. Is it really? Yeah, it's it's like some dudes got bored and made a movie out of with some like giant rubber ants that they had, and yeah, oh god, yeah, <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> All right, folks, that is a uh, eight point four out of ten loathsome things, a number that really matters. Um, <laughs> Join us. Two weeks from today, we will be doing the third part of our three-part Invasion of the Body Snatchers review with Abel Ferrara's Body Snatchers from 1993. I still haven't seen it. I don't know what to expect.
1: I love Abel Ferrara. He's um, gloriously great and terrible, sometimes at the same time.
0: Oh, that sounds
1: promising. (laughs) He made Miss 45. I love that movie. Oh, I don't uh, know what that is. Oh, it's so good. He and of course he made King of New York, which is amazing. And uh, I mean, he made some other some. Oh, he nice. made Bad Lieutenant.
0: Woo. Do the monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that'll be a treat. So go out there, uh, do good things. Uh, remember that we live in a society where greed and ambition are basically the only things that are rewarded. Uh, and watch horror movies to forget about it. Yeah,
1: I, that's, uh, I think that's great advice. I'm sorry that you all have to die.